Welcome to the Perimenopause Power Podcast. We are Lisa and Natalie, two certified holistic health coaches passionate about helping women embrace their physiology to elevate their highest potential for confidence, health and energy. Perimenopause will be unique to you and each episode gives you the power in knowing that you can define your own journey. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome everyone to another episode of Perimenopause Power. Today we have a fabulous guest um, joining us, Tracy Manok Nuku. Tracy is an educated and experienced advocate for women's health and fitness. With over 30 years in the fitness industry, Tracy began her career as a group fitness teacher and personal trainer where she transformed bodies and lives through fitness and nutrition. Tracy spent 20 years developing teams and fitness training programs in Asia live, online, and through fitness apps. Tracy's own experience with menopause was messy. Without any prior warning, her symptoms began to accelerate and negatively impact on her physical and mental health, work life, and relationships. Tracy documents all of her symptoms and experiences in her book, My Menopause Memoirs, as well as through her highly acclaimed podcast, Sexy Aging. So welcome, Tracy, from Natalie and I. Oh, I'm so excited because there's more than just two of us. This is got like, like this is like a girlfriend chat. This one, there's it, three it of us. It most here. definitely yeah. is. Yes. We were very <laughs> excited. Yeah, we were very excited when um when we knew that you could come onto the podcast. So thank you so much for coming along and and joining us. So um we might just kick straight into the questions that we've prepared today, if that's all right with you. So yeah, let's go. Um, now, you've worked in the fitness industry for a whopping over 30 years in a number of different roles, which is very phenomenal and very inspiring to us. And we'd love to know what propelled you to choose this as your vocation and initially. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting. So there's, there's, I always say there's about three parts to this question. So the first part was I was a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so dance was, you know, right from a small child, my mum was always taking me to dance lessons and there was always competitions in the weekend. So that used up a lot of my time when I was a child, right up into my teens. But when I sort of hit 12, 13 and went to uh, college, which is high school, right? Um, yeah. I wasn't in any teams or played any sports and I always felt a little bit left out when it came to that type of thing. I was never good playing ball sports. I couldn't, you know, um, catch the netball or hit the tennis ball. I could because I had no background in that. It was dance, dance, dance. Mm. And but what I was is I was kind of fit and I guess it was from dancing. And so I took up like cross country and um and athletics and, and did that kind of thing. And then that was at the time when triathlon was brand new. <sighs> and so my dad said he would buy me a new bike if I did this triathlon. And I'm like, what, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) And so I actually fell into triathlon as a teenager. Now, so that gives me like two things now, dance, which I continued and triathlon, which I went straight right up into my early twenties. And I did, I was on the New Zealand junior national team when I was like 18 um, for triathlon. So it was, It was a sport that I had progressed in and got to a level that was, you know, pretty good. And um, and as I was going through high school, towards the end, I had this absolutely drop dead PE teacher. This guy, uh, I won't say his name. He was he was from Sweden. He was gorgeous, and I thought, wow, you're you're really cool. And 
he also said, you know, like, this is my job. I love my job. He was a PE teacher and PE had never been so good as when he was <laughs> a PE teacher. Yeah, that'd get you along to his classes, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, because he made it fun and interesting and he was so interactive. And I thought, I want to be like you. So I don't know that the dancing thing is going to take me into a career that I can sustain, but maybe I could get into PE. Yeah. So I went off and did my PE degree. And at that time, personal training was a new thing. And this was mm -hmm. when personal trainers, I, I mean, only Madonna would have a personal trainer, right? Yeah. So it's like, well, is that a real career? But I threw my hat in the ring and was one of the very first personal trainers in New Zealand. Um, and I was working for Les Mills, and Les Mills is quite an iconic brand here in New Zealand and internationally, but they yeah. do have fitness clubs in New Zealand called Les Mills. So as a student still studying at uni, not quite finished, um, I actually started picking up clients, and that propelled me into the fitness industry. I went through, picked up group fitness, which is a natural fit from dance, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you know you just keep thinking, okay, how can I grow? What else is out there? So I started moving into management. Um, and then when I got into my 30s, I was headhunted to go into Asia um, as a sort of Les Mills international trainer and trainer instructors across all the Les Mills programs for a um, brand called Fitness First, which is also in Australia. Yeah. Um, this was for Fitness First Asia. Um, and then it was just across, just moving, fast tracking it, just went into the management team in the, and we relocated to Kuala Lumpur as a management team to um, grow the business in Asia. So I was working predominantly, it became corporate fitness, and I learned a lot of things there about management um, operations and set up uh, Les Mills Asia Pacific for Southeast Asia. So once I left Fitness First Asia, I did the Les Mills Asia Pacific thing for seven years also slid a MBA in there. Wow. <laughs> needed to do something different that was good for my brain. Yeah. And um, the last gig was uh, my husband and I set up a boutique fitness brand called Firefit, which is now in Australia. It's a franchise in Australia. So um, that was based out of Southeast Asia. And um, we, worked, we built that for six years and then sold three months before the pandemic. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then we relocated back to New Zealand. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I did yeah. wonder if you relocated as part of the pandemic, but just the way it actually just rolled, was it? Or Yeah, 20 yeah. years in Asia. Yeah. And um, we had two children there. So mm. our daughter, uh, we wanted her to be able to have some New Zealand education and the opportunity to choose whether she wanted to go to university in New Zealand. I'm not sure mm. if anybody re realises this, but... Uh, if you go to university in New Zealand, your first year is fees-free. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's a good thing if you're going to do mm. tertiary education to have that opportunity to choose yeah. whether you want to, you know, pay for, <laughs> pay the exorbitant international student fees somewhere else or whether mm. she wanted to have this first year opportunity in New Zealand. So coming, bringing her back to do a couple of years in high school here was also the catalyst to coming home. Yeah. And it has worked out beautifully because we've been able to, you know, have COVID in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's been quite quite nice. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Wow, what a story. What a um, 
well, I hate to use the word journey, but yeah, it, it, it is, right? And I yeah. love, I really resonated with your story, actually, because I got into running in my mid-20s. And then after having my daughter, you know, I was just driven by how do I bring my passion for running into a business? And eventually, you know, seven years down the track, here I am right now, but it was the it was the running, actually. And yeah. um, I am a a wife to an Ironman triathlete, actually. So I understand the tri- triathlon world and, yep. um, yeah, it's a, it's a very, um, I'm not going to say addictive, but you get very, you know, um, yeah, you, you love it. I, I just see how much he loves it and, you know, the joy that he gets from, yeah, swimming, riding and running and then ticking off those huge Ironman goals or triathlon goals. It's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, living your purpose, right? And then those doing those things that light you up every day. So, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yes, no, definitely. I resonated very much. <laughs> so throughout our podcast, we have shared um, quite a few stories of other women, um, particularly around their own perimenopause, menopause story. And, you know, we're getting great feedback that, you know, other women are just really connecting with these stories. And it's really helping to shine a light mm. on this phase of life that we, you know, don't talk about. So we'd love to hear from you on the back of that that wonderful story throughout your career. What has been your own perimenopause, menopause story? Yeah, um, this is one I've started to share more frequently because for the fitness industry, it's something that's not really touched on. Yeah. Um, when I went through my, you know, my degree, physical education, never heard of the word menopause. We never talked about it and we never talked about how it would affect women later in life physically with training, fitness training. Um, so for me personally, that's been a real like... I've turned the anger into positivity. So when we were building our boutique fitness brand, um, there's a lot of stress and long work hours that goes with building something new, Mm. you know, because you're everything, you're everything to everyone and the business counts on you delivering. And so that might mean that you're working way more hours than the hourly rate that you would have been paid for working for someone else. So starting in that business, um, things started to creep up on me in a way physically and mentally that I was, I put down to business stress. So not sleeping or, you know, sleep being really disrupted and then um, the night sweats, the hot flashes, the brain fog. Yeah, I know. Okay, so I hear right, you. <laughs> just now that I can look back on it, because it was happening, all of that was happening before I even heard of the word perimenopause. So I know a lot of women can relate to this and that's why, you know, we're on this journey to educate and inform before it happens, mm, <laughs> yeah, especially, right. especially for me in the fitness industry. I want to help mm. women. So I can put a, put an age to it. 47, 47 is the, about the age that I realized that these, these things were what you would call perimenopause. Um, but when it was happening so frequently and I was starting to forget things, I think I forgot to pick my son up from preschool one day. I definitely forgot to pack something in the lunchbox. Um, There were lots of little things that I started to beat myself up about. And there was one distinct moment, and a lot of this I write about in the book, Mm -hmm. uh, the distinct moment around thinking that it might just be better if I crashed my car and finished it for everyone, and everyone would be a lot better off if I wasn't around. Mm -hmm. Now, that thought level, that just hit me so hard because I thought, who am I? Where did that come from? Like, who thinks like that? And hang on, is that depression? So all these little kind of light bulb moments that happen as I'm sitting in my car sobbing, 
that I had got to a place where I could think such dark thoughts. That made me think something is not right. And what is that? And then I just thought, okay, what about the fact I'm not sleeping? So like a lot of women, I Googled. And it's just like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, a person working in the fitness industry who should know what's happening with their bodies. And I had no idea, right? So I'm Googling and then it all becomes apparent. This is a thing, perimenopause. So I went to my GP and by that stage, I was actually ready to change my Mirena. So um, so she said, okay, so we'll, we'll change your Mirena. And, she, and the only thing she said, bless her, was this will help you with that next stage of life. And I said, oh, do you mean like menopause? <laughs> and she said, uh, yeah. And that was it. That was the conversation on menopause. There was no further discussion around, mm. you know, the Mirena will help protect you with progesterone support and it will also regulate your hormones and your your periods because that's probably going to go, you know, AWOL. Mm. Uh, but we never had that discussion either. And as it was the case, that did happen. Um, but there was no discussion around. So there's other things that you can do across your lifestyle, across your stress, uh, and p- potentially hormonal support if you would like that. So we never had that discussion. Yeah. And I had to figure out a lot of those things for myself. And because I love science and I love talking to people, you know, starting my own podcast was like, well, that's how I'm going to get to talk to someone. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that also through the fitness industry, people are younger than me, you know, that there's, there's, there's no one that I can talk to or that can even relate to the experience I'm having. So um, I want to open up that conversation and make the menopause talk very, very normal, natural, um, acceptable within the fitness industry. Because uh, we, you know, we have so much to offer as women in our midlife in the fitness industry, not, you know, what, like a lot of industries, we know how to get things done quickly. We can make decisions based on experience. Um, we're very good with empathy, compassion, and building relationships. Like there, these things are important across all industries, but, um, you know, with the fitness industry sort of geared towards youthification, mm. um, yeah, just, just kind of like, pushing the midlife woman to the side because they don't match the image of the marketing is not a great thing. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that, you know, there's obviously needs to be a big change up where that's concerned because I think it, um, you know, it further adds to that whole depressive, anxious sort of mood that women feel as well, doesn't it? Yeah. I get a lot of questions, you know, definitely in the fitness industry is like, why have I put on weight when I'm working out much harder than I was yeah. before? I eat literally air but now I'm still putting on weight or I'm so tired I literally can't think straight like I hear this stuff in the fitness industry all the time and with women in the gym um, I still you know I teach some classes and that's me um, fulfilling community and joy in my life um, but I don't work full-time in the fitness industry now because um, I have some other stuff going on yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. But there is a real, um, there's not enough information around, is there, around, you know, the that life in the 20s and 30s and how, you know, women have come through that and then they think that doing the same thing is, um, you know, it needs tweaking, but there's not a lot of information that we're told in our earlier years that that, that is the case, you know, the kinds of food you might be eating or the type of movement, you know, um, in the area that you've been working in as well, Tracy. 
Yeah. I mean, definitely in my early 40s, I was doing HIIT workout after HIIT workout after HIIT workout. I wish that someone had told me, hey, you're going to have to be mindful of that. And at least by the time you're 45, it's kind of an average age. A lot of mm. women actually go through perimenopause much younger than me. Like it's not a known, like an unknown fact now. Yep. So if I had known that I should have been switching out some HIIT workouts for strength-based workouts, and we're talking like heavy, you know, mm. for, for all the benefits that I could be getting health-wise when I come into perimenopause, if I had known that, I would be like, but anyway, it's not a sob story. I'm now so happy that I know because yes. my goal is to help others. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And we share similar sentiments too because, yeah, you're right, there's not enough education and there's not enough education for the women leading into it. You know, the woman in her, well, let's go back to, you know, childhood. You know, we really believe that this should be in school curriculum, mm. you know, yes. and then women actually know that this is, a phase of life that you're eventually going to, going to go through and it doesn't happen when you're, um, you know, much older and, and grey hair and, you know, it's it, it actually happens a lot earlier than you think and the more we know, the more we can prepare around our stress, our nutrition, our movement and, you know, a core part of this too is that mindset element, you know, that, you know, you turn 40 and, you know, it's I guess it's embracing, yeah, okay, returning 40 or you're turning 50 and <laughs> life, life isn't over, you know. And yeah. I actually just saw something on the internet. I was talking to Lisa about it, about career, and, you know, I just turned 40 in December and I'm now classed as an older working Australian. That's <laughs> <laughs> the first time I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I said, I, I, said, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Is that a thing? <laughs> That's a yeah. thing for this particular um, career thing that, that the government are pushing. But it's like, oh, I work in Australia. And yeah, okay, well, I don't feel like I'm over the hill yet. I'm yeah. still, you know, yeah. very, very vibrant. But it's, um, you know, you do start to experience subtle changes in yourself. And it's about acknowledging that and, mm. and being with your body too. So, yeah. You're not definitely not ignoring it. And I think there there is a part of, you know, we're in that Western culture where, Aging is not seen as, um, you know, one of the best things to be doing. It's sort of shunned, isn't it? And you've obviously touched on that. And and actually that probably brings me to my next question. You know, given that you lived overseas in, in, in Southeast Asia um, for the 20 years and returned back to New Zealand 21, did you find, um, you know, what's their attitude around menopause there? You know, um, you know, is it is it more supportive and positive? I've certainly read information to, to, that suggests that, especially in Japan. But yeah. what was it like where you've come from, Tracy? Yeah, okay. So the fact is that I wasn't able to have conversations with okay. anyone when I was there. It's been yeah. more since I've I've come away. But yeah. I agree. Like I did look into, you know, starting to read more anthropological um, stories around menopause in different cultures because I think it's important to note that yeah in the western culture we make it a bad thing mm, we do. <laughs> um, yeah so like you've mentioned you know in Japan because they actually have a diet that supports the changing hormones right. yeah so they may not necessarily go through some of the extreme sort of hot flashes and sweating because they're you know they're having more soy-based products which are supportive of estrogen mm. Um, and they call it something really beautiful. So I'm not sure of the Japanese version, but it implies that it's their second spring. Yeah, right? I love that. So I think that's amazing. So I have never lived in Japan, but that's beautiful to hear that that's the way they refer to this stage of life. Um, to be really honest, um, I don't believe a lot of my friends in Southeast Asia, my Asian friends, are fully aware or comprehend uh, what's going to happen. 
to mm. their bodies. Mm. Um, but I do see from a cultural perspective a lot more support and respect for older women. Yeah. Um, and they're very integrated into families, not unlike the Māori culture here in New Zealand, which where, where women and midlife women are very revered and respected. Mm. So that I am really going to tap into. I'm actually looking forward to sort of studying that a little bit more and maybe yeah. have a guest speaker to talk to that specific thing around culture and menopause. Yeah. Because like like you guys, I, I feel like, yeah, uh, India, I think, probably has a better application of how they support women in midlife. Um, and then it's also, is it socioeconomic? There's another part to that too. Is it just yeah. because I'm a white educated woman that I know what's going on? Um, and am I making assumptions that everybody has the same knowledge that I do? Like I, I, I have been assuming that for a long time and now I want to debunk that assumption and really tap into these different um, areas of, you know, different cultures and different socioeconomic views on it. So I think we kind of, we should share content. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think there's yeah. a lot we can learn and really bring into the work that we're all doing, you know, that you mm -hmm. guys are doing, that you're doing and that we're doing um, around how that, you know, we're really very much wanting to flip it on its head and look at, the, you know, I think once women are educated and getting that education and they sort out their support, they can really go forward quite beautifully into this phase of life. And I think drawing from different cultures and how they do that is something that we can really, really learn from. So, yes. yeah. Yeah, and I, it's funny because I was thinking as you were talking, Tracy, what's the culture like here in Australia? And I I don't think that, no, no we we hold older women in um, much status no, or, we or don't. revere yeah. whatsoever, yeah. which is really sad. But, you know, I guess, again, it, it highlights an opportunity, doesn't it? And it does. Whenever, whenever we're talking to workplaces because we, uh, you know, really want to shift mindsets in workplaces around this phase of life and women's careers, and, you know, we always advocate that this isn't just a woman's issue. This mm. is for the entire community, you know, men, workplaces, highlighting just how impactful women are to, you know, society, to economies, yeah. to businesses. And, you know, and it's really important that, you know, younger generations are seeing women of, you know, older age in these higher positions that really support, you know, that female representation. Mm. And, and there's definitely a huge focus of it here, right, isn't it? Yeah, there's a huge absolutely. focus on female representation, yep. but I feel like, I don't know, both sides, there's there's definitely the desire there, but then, you know, we're sort of not really seeing that full change, are we, from, from right up the top, I no, think. No, and I think there's also, I don't think businesses or corporates also make the connection also with um, you know, the way that women can experience this mm. next part of their life. And, you know, we're not looking for businesses to give them the solution. It's more around that support and how they can yes. actually support them to move forward. Because, you know, there's a bit of a phase and then you sort of move on beyond that. So, you know, you start coming out of it. And But, again, it starts with that education, you know, right from the start for, you know, as Natalie said, for everyone as a whole. Yeah. And I've also gone into the workshop space as well <clears throat> because, you know, being an educator, for yeah. years and years, it, that's like a natural fit. And now that yeah. you have this knowledge, you can't unknow. So <laughs> it's like it's a natural thing to go, go, you know, I think I can create this workshop and share this edu you know, education in the workplace. Definitely. Not to be the fix, but to, 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 to help them understand that they don't need to lose these women in their workforce. All we need to do is give them the tools to support this little hump in life because mm. – 
coming out of it and they're sticking around, you've got an incredible workforce, you know? Yeah, you have. And and it's also for a lot of women going, you know, a lot of those women also may have worked part-time for a while and then their children, you know, have grown up or become a bit more independent and they're ready to go full-born to going back to full-time work. You know, they're loving yeah. it. Whereas, and I we mentioned this on another podcast recently too, whereas, and, you know, on the flip side, men have sort of never really had that break. They've worked full time yeah. all the way through. So they're starting to wind down. But a lot of women are just starting to wind up again as well. We're revving know? up, girls. We're yeah, revving it. it. Watch <laughs> out, eh? Yeah. So, um, yeah. and I think that's a really important thing. And, you know, so women have so much to offer um, corporates, um, you know, workplaces as far as where they're coming from. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're definitely right around the lifestyle aspects and, you know, we, we talk a lot about that and our, our work is, you know, very, very aligned with similar messages. And, you know, we'd love for you to share with our listeners some of your uh, top tips on how listeners can navigate this time of life, you know, through lifestyle strategies so that they can continue to live in a purposeful, positive and healthy way. Yeah, I had a really good think about this question. And what came to me, surprisingly, the very first thing is to talk. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the the interesting thing is I could give you a whole list of things on a lifestyle perspective. Do this, do this, don't do this, throw out this and put in this. Like I can do that. But the very first thing that came to me was to get talking and find your support crew. And whether that's um, a a great GP, a couple of great girlfriends, and then credible information. Right. So, you know, listening to great podcasts that that give you the right information and reaching out to good educators and um, people that have, I mean, there's a lot of stuff online. So it's very difficult to navigate your way Mm. um, to find credible information. But when you've got your good support, then you'll find that as well. So that would be my first one. My second one from a fitness professional perspective, if you're doing heaps and heaps of HIIT workouts because you're trying to shift the body fat that you've gained for some unknown reason, um, switch it up and get into strength training because you are losing muscle at a very quick rate. No other no other stage of life do you lose up to 30% of your muscle mass faster mm-hmm. than any other time of life. So you need to reverse that and strength training will do it. Um, not only, you know, help retain the muscle it also helps with your heart health so there's a lot of science that supports the benefits of strength training and we think of cardiovascular training as doing that but strength training does the same yeah you know once we come through menopause we're in post-menopause um our our heart um health will can deteriorate so getting that foundation of strength training in there will tick the boxes on that part too and then the third part is sleep. Yeah, it's so powerful, <laughs> isn't it? Sleep, I mean, it will literally fix, oh, I don't know, 50% of the symptoms. Yeah. Because the lack of sleep is what kind of causes the domino effect of so many of them. Mm. So there's, there's, there's the emotional um, support that you require and the education that you need, followed by two things that I have tweaked myself and 100% stand on as the foundation um, you know, to stay healthy moving forward into post-menopause is the nirvana for us, right? <laughs> I love that. Love that. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. great. And, look, I'm a bit of a – we're both – well, Nat normally goes to sleep earlier than I do, but I um, I love sleep. And I, I say that you can be having the best diet and the best movement, but if you're not sleeping properly, it sort of trumps everything, you know. There's so much that happens 
at that time and it's just a pain in the bum obviously if you're not sleeping well or you're having hot flushes and all that kind of stuff it's sort of like that real domino effect that you talked about so yeah Mm -hmm. and the movement's great too yeah and I was going to say too acknowledging you know when you might need a bit of rest during the day I'm partial not partial to a a afternoon nap I actually said that to my husband we're moving house on Friday and so it's just crazy and I actually worded him up Sunday about lunchtime I said just so you know, I've got a bit of stuff to do. We're in school holidays, a bit of work to do, packing. I'm going to have a 30-minute nap a little bit later, all right? I'm just wording you up. And he just laughed. And I said that to a girlfriend when I was chatting to her on the phone and she just burst out laughing. I'm like, no, I know when I yeah. need to have a little bit of a, a reboot. And yeah. I do. I just have a 30-minute kip sometimes and yeah. I feel good. <laughs> and that's good, isn't it? Because I think you um, you get to this, you get you've got to know your own limitations as well and where you actually just have to stop because, yeah. you know, and I'm sure you've spoken about this with many people too, as women we tend to go, go, go and we don't stop and, you know, it's not serving us any later in life either. So just having <laughs> yeah. a bit of a bit of a stop. I was away last week um, from my family for a few days and, um, yeah, it was just nice to be away and do something for myself and have some good sleeps and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, and, you know, talking and having that support network, it's so important. I'm actually reading a book at the moment and the lady who wrote it talked about going to a menopause conference in the UK and um, the observation was made that these women that attended the conference all came by themselves which or 80% of them, you know, came by themselves, which is really unusual because, you know, when you go to a concert or you go to something, you'll call the girlfriend and say, hey, do you want to come with me? And it's like it just shows that, you know, a lot of women are actually, you know, sort of going through it on their own or thinking that no one else is going through it. But when you start talking, you sort of you quickly realise that so many other people are going through it as well. Yeah. No, it's so necessary, right, because, yeah, it's not. I think also people might be in fear of it. Yeah, you know, so there's yeah. the, the the fear of all the symptoms they've heard about or read about, but also, um, yeah, just the the aloneness, the mm. fear and the loneliness, and and that there isn't any good stuff to it. Like mm-hmm. I'm here because you know, sexy aging is about celebrating absolutely yeah. the stage of life and yeah. saying, yeah, okay, here's the things, here's yeah. the things you need to figure out. But yeah. you know, there's so many amazing opportunities and positivity that comes through it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Mm. Opportunities, positiveness. That's right. Fabulous, fabulous. <laughs> so, um, so Tracy, our podcast is all about power and finding, nurturing and using um, your personal power, our personal power as we transition through perimenopause and beyond. What does coming into your own power mean to you and how does it define your own perimenopause journey? Yeah, I think it was once I realized that perimenopause was a thing and that lots of women are going through it. Um, my power was, it, it sort of bubbled up that, hey, you know, you're an educator and you don't want people, it, it, you don't want people to feel the way you felt. So a couple mm-hmm. of things, um, the educator and the empathizer came together it's like I don't want people to feel as bad as I did and have nobody to talk to and feel alone um, so let me use my power of education which I, I love to speak about things that are going to help people and pull it together so um, that's what I'd say my, my power is I don't know maybe someone else will say something different but that's oh, intuitive- different for everyone yeah intuitively that's what bubbled up yeah and, yeah um, yeah, and I think I want to keep doing this and stay with this. And one of the other things, you'll you'll probably have had a lot of amazing 
incredible guests say to you is that you just know more stuff and you can wade through the bs yes um and there's that really deep intuitive gut instinct that says i need to go there and i don't know who's with me i don't know how i'm going to make it work uh, i don't know if it's like a paid job <laughs> but something within me says i gotta go there yeah and if i don't go there i'm not really serving my powerful purpose yeah, beautiful. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, I think um, oh, one thing, I, like, I'm 52, so I'm... Yay, so am I. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And I'm definitely finding that things that, you know, before that used to bother me aren't bothering me as much. So, you know, that BS, you know, and just getting on with it. And I think really trusting those gut intuitions that you were just talking about, because quite often they end up working. It's like, oh, my God, that was true. How about that? I actually so went true. with it. Yeah. So that's really powerful mm. as well. Mm. And we do just have such an internal power, don't we? Like I, um, through my mindfulness and yoga, I've been able to, over the last years really tap into my gut intuition, mm. and I just and I just go with it. You know, if something doesn't feel right, I won't do it, um, or you know, vice versa. But it, it, we do, we have a power, and I think it's beautiful that you know, even if we don't tap into our intuition prior to perimenopause, we can start to look at it as an opportunity. We're older, we're wiser, we might have some more education. Yeah. Uh, it's really important. And what I love too, and I guess it's life as a businesswoman, right? We just, we, we have our own sort of experience in life and we just naturally want to just nurture and mm. educate other people. And I think what you shared there about being that educator is, yeah, so powerful and, you know, being able to share your story and, you know, um, ensure that other women have that knowledge that so many do not. So, yeah, really love that that's your power. Yeah. If there's a yeah. bunch of women that we can all uh, help out, uh, well, then we've done our jobs well, I feel. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Or even one or two. You mm, know, it was yeah. really interesting when I started getting reviews on the book. Like, I just I only needed one. Yeah. <laughs> I thought if yeah. I get one that says it helped, then my job is done. Yeah, beautiful. You know, and you go into a project or something like that um, because it feels the right thing to do. But then you do get one person or many, but you only get the, the first mm. one that says what you did saved my life. Yeah. Um, that's like you just go, well, how, how do I turn back from that? You can't turn mm. back and go back into the thing that you used to do. Yeah. Right? you got to go forward. So, mm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, so beautifully said. Love that. Well, we've loved the chat. It was really great to connect with you and, you and hear your story and, and your you. passion and definitely your optimism and positivity, mm. you know, really shines through and, and your passion most definitely. So we'd love to know where can our listeners connect with you and learn more about you? Yeah, super easy. I've got a one-stop shop now. So, you know, I figured uh, I probably need to pull it all together and get my ducks in a row. So it's sexyaging.com. Beautiful. Thanks for your time, Tracy. Really appreciate it. Yeah. No, I loved it. Thanks, girls. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks again for sharing your time with us, learning how you can be your best energetic self no matter what life stage you are going through. Be sure to contact us if any of this content resonates with you. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. See you next time.